Welcome again. Welcome in, guys. I appreciate the little hold up here. I do, uh, we got to make some changes. Um, just the three of us tonight, man. Myself, DJ Clint. We got Sugar in the middle. Nate was running the board over there for us, getting things started. Uh, thanks for tuning in, joining us, you guys. Uh, we got lots to talk about tonight for sure. We'll let Nate here. Uh, we are uh, multi streaming tonight on. Uh, Twitch, Mixcloud, YouTube, and our Facebook page. So, uh, welcome in, guys. Appreciate it. Three big dudes sitting at a little table here. I'm going to scoot over a little bit. It, it's super cute. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, yeah, it's it's great to be back. It's been a, I don't know, it's been an all right month, I would say. I think we've stayed consistent in coming out um, on our Twitch channel every Tuesday. Uh, we have been doing Fridays as well. Arizona's still been doing their Thursday nights. And uh, we've had a lot of new interactions and people joining us. And I I feel we've been successful. I know uh, our merch our merch has been going okay. We got uh, Detroit leading the pack now in that one. Yes, Detroit is leading the pack, very much so. Um, he's up to 13 sales. You're at 10. So that, <laughs> I know. that's the battle, 13 and 10. Suge, I think Suge is sitting at three, two, three, two, two somewhere, that. somewhere there. Yeah, yeah. The everyone loves Seawell hashtag shirt. It's available. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta get. It. You can put that logo on anything now too. It's cool. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I know uh, the other thing that. Uh, what else has changed? Oh, Sugar, you got a job. Uh. Well. Okay. I do ha I do have a job. I wasn't planning to release that quite yet, but yeah, I, I do have an actual job now. Uh Santa Claus is now delivering packages every day. It works out well. <laughs> it does. Uh I definitely already have new coworkers that are excited about me uh rocking some Santa gear. Nice. Yeah, no, you're gonna look look good in your delivery truck rocking the red pajamas during the season. And I, 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 I mean that's Pretty As, much the perfect fit for you this year. Uh, for the for this season and uh, COVID year, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've gotten this COVID beard turned into Santa that we all had fun making fun of me slash make fun of myself with the floating Santas sometimes when I was DJing. Um, so can I bring in uh, the subject matter that, that everyone else may or may not know about yet, but uh, major clubs that have been around for Decades are now closed as of tonight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey. Yeah. I don't know. We, we can talk about that for a little bit, but uh, I want to make sure all these sound levels sound well. We got a little chat. People right. over here in the room saying the mics are loud, low. Um, that's why it brings back. We had to reset this whole studio. Uh, the yeah. guy that was going to run the board tonight did not show up. Um, so it's kind of a we're winging it over here until we get this thing right. Um, but we'll get there for sure. Yeah, so we actually had to, uh, we actually usually set up the board externally on the computer that we're normally streaming on in the green room, which is outside of this room. And uh, we typically have a fourth or fifth member here, and they'll run that and monitor. I just got shut up. Oh, there I am. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. All right. So my voice is going in and out right now. But we had to, oh, we drilled new holes. We got another hole. We got another <laughs> hole in the wall, yes. <laughs> His squad has another hole in the podcast studio. Holes. Yeah. Yeah. D, does that sound better, buddy? Give us a thumbs up. Give us a, in the chat room. Uh, I, like JV, you said, you, you're telling us it all sounds better. All our voices right here. 
Yeah, yeah. We, I think we should be good now, you guys. Um, going from condenser mics to these dynamic mics does play a huge role in uh, how this board is set up, that's for sure. Um, so that's my bad. Sorry about that, guys. So anyway, so, so yeah, Jason, we, appreciate the sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. We're all good on, on the sounds. Who's uh, in there? One stop, Jason? Yeah, Jason Goley's in there. Deli's in there. I'm watching before my date. Deli has a date tonight. I appreciate Ooh. you guys tuning in there. Um, DJ Deli. He's a Deli. He's a fancy cat with the ladies for sure. If you don't follow him, he does clean up kind of rough, but he says he cleans <laughs> up nice, you know? So, Whoa. I, I actually thought he looked all right. I thought he looked dapper. I thought he looked dapper. Yeah. He looked good. It, it's good. So, anyway, so back to the topic of the elephant in the room tonight with four clubs closing today officially being said by the owner, which was uh, DJ Evil One, Eric Baller. Uh, what did he have? Tube since 2013? Well, yeah. not just him. I, I, well, that, I'm just saying. Tube that, in general has been yeah. around for decades. Yes. Even before Eric. So to hear that a venue that's lasted through many other things, 9-11, uh, other recessions, uh, I think uh, Middle East War, I, I, that tube was there. Yeah. You know, did, so. Did you say Middle East War? Yeah, well, the Middle East. We, oh, we, yeah. Okay. We fought in the Middle East. All right. I remember now. <laughs> the oh, two. I was like, I was trying to think like you, you regionally. Were... I'm like, well, what part? Like, <laughs> so we have we have a ton of districts in Portland and Oregon. And I'm yeah. like, which district was that? <laughs> they got that pissed off? Wow, that's amazing. So to find out that a sickness that has taken over has now made a club, in particular a bar establishment that was pretty legendary that now it's not it's not around anymore right. as of tonight officially yes um we we do want to pay as much respect to that as possible we we've all been hit by it but it is a sad and unfortunate deal to see these businesses go under no matter no matter what we don't want to see this because when we come out of this we, we we'd like to still dj that would be cool um you know, losing faith sometimes, it's it's hard to keep your head up and actually try to examine where we're going to have options. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive. It's going to, yeah, I mean, hopefully you've stayed fresh if you are a DJ and you're ready for it when it happens. Um, and it's, again, Eric Ballard, man, much love. And thanks for doing that for the community and having those venues and those options for people to work. And unfortunately, yeah, it's it's a sad time to hear. Yeah, because wasn't Tube open? I think Tube was open, what, five nights a week? Fortune was three, four nights a week? I swear Tube sometimes was open at least six. Yeah, it's really hard to say. But, I mean, and then you throw in rivalry, you know, and then it's just he had a lot of working employees for him. He had a lot of DJs come through his venues. I mean, not just from Portland. I mean, I'm talking from across the U.S. that yeah. came to Portland to play at his venues. <laughs> the world champions, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, so he did a lot for the Portland community. Um, I know us as a collective didn't get along. You know, we, we, we didn't see eye to eye, yeah. but we all respected each other. Yes. Yeah, we all, we all did. So, I, I actually know he brought, brought a couple guys out of my old market. He brought yeah. uh, Juggy out. He brought, I think Jarvicious might have played there too. But yeah, Juggy's kind of a he's a heavy hitter. That's the crew he's part of. But he's he's yeah. a big deal out there. So it was it was cool to see him or have a place that stretches out that far, uh, mm -hmm. not just amongst our thing. Are you gonna you know take that off the table? <laughs> that would be nice. A little That'd be cool. A little vibration. Uh, here we're gonna have there. to start right, having right. like a 
a phone buzzing jar every time like that goes in there. We're going to throw a dollar. It's kind of like a swear uh, jar. Yeah. Gotcha. Or we'll just smack your hand. <laughs> and it might happen to me, though. So I'm going to scoot way over to the side so I don't get the biggest backhand in the situation. I do have it. But, yeah, as far as – and you do have the most advantage in the middle there. I, so uh, it is very, very good that we went into the fact that, like, that is one of the updates that happened this month. Um, also, so – It's not even him. There's more venues that have closed in Portland, though, too. Bars that just go – that we're not, I guess, connected to, you know? That's um, true. So, uh, and also you, for you guys tuning in that we're expecting music tonight, I know we talked about it on th- Friday night when we streamed, um, we're doing the podcast tonight because next Tuesday is election night and we choose not to do any streaming next Tuesday night or a podcast or anything like that. And I wanted to stay on the formula of a podcast once a month. And, uh, so that's why we're doing it tonight. So appreciate you guys tuning in for sure. And uh, let's get into our uh, first topic for the night, shelf life of music. Um, how does it get there? I mean, what makes it the lifespan of the music, you know, for the top radio and club play? I guess I can field this first. Um, just to let you know, my name, I uh, worked in radio and my degree in my bachelor's degree is in communication, electronic media. In a minor in technical sales. Anyways, there's only like three colleges that even offer that minor. It's kind of what athletes take so they can just get <laughs> Play a great sports. Yeah. They didn't offer marketing at the time. But um, so in my time of learning that, uh, things have changed. So when I, you know, we'll all date ourselves. It's fine. Uh, we have age coming up and that will be a discussion. But uh, I hit the 4-0 mark. And so I... Was involved in radio in the 90s, but in high school, I actually hosted a show and worked for the local station, Elko, Nevada. Yeah, look that one up. <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we all to- know why he's super white now because he comes from Elko. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to really dive in and research into the culture of what okay. we do now and everything else. But, um, so at how ratings worked. Uh, back then to now, and I actually have looked up quite a bit of things to let you guys know about this. The ratings in radio was probably the outlet. It, you guys all agree? Well, with of that, course, that really yeah. it all boils down to radio, and I mean, but is that today or was it back? Let's say well, let's, fifteen years ago. Let's let's start with fifteen years ago, and then I'll, we'll go into what's changed now. So there was a rating system, if you guys are aware, called Arbitrate, Ar- Arbitron Ratings. Arbitron, Correct. Yeah. Do you, do, you guys, do you guys know how that worked? I do, because I, I was yeah. in radio too. So well, I, I wasn't, mean. but I was working with radio guys all the time mm-hmm. from Jammin' 95.5. And I remember watching the local guys on a Sunday, like Starchild, to wanting to get his songs on the main list to have a circulation and also the main jocks. Like uh, Felix, like we know Felix. Felix. Yes, and Felix would you know be like, oh man, I gotta have you guys tonight. Make sure, and even in the mix show, have to play certain songs because they have to be in a cycle for the, those analytics, basically. No, absolutely, yes, that that's part of it. So the ultimate. Well, let's discuss this before Arbitron. Okay. There actually was a method, and DJs played a big part of that, uh, even in the clubs. And there were, uh, let's say, back in the disco era. And prior to that, that was how you got hurt. That really was. Oh, and, definitely. 100% was radio. We still influenced that, I would say, clear into the 90s, like mid-90s or so. Absolutely. And then 
then it became, you know, you got your your iTunes and things, which eventually we can go into. But Arbitron, how it worked was basically a paper survey. So Arbitron was sent out to a sample group, and it's it's actually surprising to re, <laughs> to realize it's not depending on your population. It was so many, and it was it's not very many, honestly. Like I think in Salt Lake, where I mainly did my career in that, um, we were under two million or something, and so it was only like a like a one percent or ten percent. So it would only be maybe two hundred people would receive these, or they would send out three hundred, hoping to receive so many back. With that being said, you have to think who's actually going to fill out a paper form and mail it back in. Single old ladies. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah, the only ones that, that care. Only people that had the time and back then, or you know, obviously we could get into the so, politics so, of women working and not working, but they were the ones that were home. They were the ones that retired. They were the ones that had the time and would actually take the time and fill out a survey and send it back in. So Detroit brought up a good question here in the chat. He's like, don't don't you think clubs influence the radio and then radio put it in rotation during the disco era? Yeah, and that's what I I, I, I think you verbalized or worded that maybe a little better than I did, but uh, that's was kind of my point, was prior to me even being alive or in this at all or being barely a sparkle in my parents <laughs> eye let's put it at that point we all might have came from the disco era yes. like literally no and so yes they influenced the play and then people request that at the radio station and then at the time labels had a direct influence and path to those people on the air Correct. Sure. And then D also, he brought up a good point too. The radio DJs back then were also working in the clubs, like the, yes. like the radio jocks. I mean, I mean, even to this, I, I can't say to this day, but uh, up to a cup to a point, the radio, the club guys are still in radio and radio is still in the clubs somewhat. Yeah. It's, it's kind of made a weird rotation. So there was a separation and then a joining and then a separation and yes. a joining. Like it's, it's cycled around in a very bizarre way and due, due to like economic uh, uh, crashes and all sorts of stuff. So yes, in the clubs during like disco era in the seventies and things like that, tracks were played that direction. And when labels started, I wish, I wish I would have looked up that fact. Like when like Virgin started and all those things with Branson, they literally had people on the ground bribing people on the radio uh, yeah. basically it was like, um, what do you call it in politics? Lobbying. Lobbying. Yeah. So you were lobbying your artist at the time. And as an artist, you were trying to get their attention. And depending on your music, there was a different type of agent for your type of music. And depending on what was popular, again, we've gone through like rock disappearing, disco disappearing, all that stuff. Um, so yes, in the disco era, the club guy definitely was a decider. Now, if we're to just take rock, I, I think it was that was more label influenced. Mm, rock, as far as getting your play to the radio. Oh, of course, of course, you know? that was definitely a weird. Uh, let's let's say Metallica. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're their biggest rock band currently. You know what I'm saying? As far as I can think of, I mean, there's a lot of underground stuff. There's a lot of people that still do it, for sure. Um, the gorillas, I mean, for sure, that's kind of a weird rock poppy, but I mean, let's go back to the nineties, you know, it yeah. was Metallica. It was, you know, and then we had like, and we went from like 80 stadium band to like, I don't know what you would have called like the, the Nickelback phase and all those things. Yeah. And that was, you know, the trend of what people were listening to. So to track what people were listening to back to arbitrary arbitron, which we called arbitrary because yeah. like we said, 
uh, it was mainly driven by probably women above their 35, above 40, you yeah. know? So if you're a station trying to attract a male demographic, you're actually going to receive kind of how a professor would curb the grade. You received bonus points, basically, yeah. uh, on this rating system. So it was actually one of the reasons I never, like, I wanted to be in radio. I thought I'd be on air, and I did for a long time. But mm. selling was something I was like, wow, that's probably one of the harder sales positions in the world because what are you selling? You're selling air. You're selling time. <laughs> And you're working off arbitrary numbers. See, but that's where radio gets lost, I think. And Jason brought up a, a good point, too. And, uh, you know, when he worked in radio, a lot of guys that we know and follow us, we all have been in the radio scene. But anyway, like Sony would wine and dine the DJs or the media director to yes. get their tracks played. And we can come full circle to that and not and to jump over. But, I mean, that's like how tracks make it now is they don't need a label really. It's totally different. No, it's an option. And I want to get to that, but that also brings up the reason some of that changed too. Yeah. Uh, Then we moved into payola lawsuits, Mm -hmm. you know, like that actually became a legal fine and that actually changed. And so then what labels would do, then there became the, the barter of ticket sales, Yeah. you know, like, okay, you're going to give this radio present, like I actually, since I was a promotion director, had to prove that we could create more value than the other station going for the same demographic. If Metallica came through and we were a rock station, nobody was going to get presents. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be live nation or whatever. Like every radio station would be there, but you weren't going to be the presenting radio station. They no. were too big for that. Yeah. Now someone else on like, like Chevelle, we could fight with the one across the neighbor, across our neighborhood and say, hey, we're going to give you this much value of mentions and different things to get this many tickets. And so that's how we sold more tickets, and that's how people got more airplay. Yeah. Now, yeah, let's come in come in a little little newer. Then we run into, okay, so radio's dead, this and that. People want to say satellite radio, this and that. No. The absolute, and this is going to distribution music that probably changed the face of our world was the iPod. 100% the way we got our music was the iPod. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know exactly when the iPod was out, but I had one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, let's... Uh, 99, 2000? Exactly. I, I believe so, yeah. It was mid-90s. So, early 90s. I remember it well. I was dealing with like mini-discs in mid-90s, <laughs> which was kind of interesting. It was like the first writable digital form of thing that held so much on a small device. Correct. Compared to CDs, and this was moving into digital, so... We had that in iTunes, and so distribution became from that. And uh, now, and, and let's bring up, so so we want to discuss shelf life, right? Yeah. So when you have one channel that way, that's only, and you have one direction, you're basically going to try to get, let's say, like Nickelback or Hinder or that type of era needed to get a major label because they still had a connection to program directors. And now everything in 1998 or 99 got the caps got blown off in radio so the ownership was open up right that's when clear channel gobbled up everyone but these labels had they were big enough they had relationships with the ceos and the people above so labels still had a very big influence and you only had one way to get that right and that was to listen to radio and go see them live 
now, um, now we have streaming. Now we have downloadability. And so we have, we have, I would call it more instant gratification. Exactly. And so that's what I'm, yeah. So would you guys agree in the fact that back then, um, the reason, the good and bad are what changing. So everybody can distribute their own music, but the bad is everyone can distribute their own music. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like that double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, uh, the more music, more crap. Mu- I'm going to call it crap music today. There's a handful <laughs> of good stuff. Uh, you know, but it's just, it's so much available for anybody to listen to at any given time. Um, it's just crazy the way we get our music to us now or how we hear our music. And, you know, I mean, in today's music life form, if half these artists had to go the route of the, let's just go back to the nineties platform. If half these artists had to go back to the way it was in the nineties, they wouldn't even be around. We wouldn't even know about them because they had to, he actually had to a self distribute CDs and get it into the, the right person's hand or whatever, have a major label, you know, um, chance. The rapper is a good example of that, of how he's made it on his own self distribution of his music, you know, uh, yeah, and speaking of him, I, I had pulled up a Rolling Stone article. Um, Look at that. He's so the, sophisticated over there. <laughs> the person that actually wrote this, I wanted to find the name of this, was the CEO, Lee Patterson, of what's called Ditto Music. So I, I did go to their website. It's a, you know how we're restreaming right now and how yeah. it streams out to p- platforms? These guys actually help you. artists in the independent platform hit every streaming thing or every downloadability and like Spotify to Apple music to everything you go through them and they act like that. And it's more of a website, sort of a manager, sort of a, not really a label. It's does okay. that make sense. So it does make sense. So it's kind of like the same aspect that I used to get. I mean, after this show, I'll save the recording. I'll take it over to the website that I use to upload it, to get it to all the streaming platforms that we're on, which is, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcast, you know, and then all these recordings here, you know. So we're on every streaming platform available with these content, you know, that we're doing now. So um, so, so in this article, they go through, and I'm, I really wish I could have highlighted this prior to getting here, but there, um, the reason Chance the Rapper stands out, and I, I, I think we kind of skipped over how you had to, like, kind of work through like in the 90s, let's take hip-hop as an example since we're DJs. Basically, if you got Dre to create a beat or you had to go through Dre if you are on the West Coast, right? That's how you were going to get heard. If you had a producer like Dre, you would get immediately heard, but you had to get his credibility first for exactly. him to make his before he made a beat for you or something. And then there, then they popped up in different areas, you know, the Dirty, Dirty South and the, you know, uh, Atlanta, everything else. And there was a label in each one of those regions, right? Yes. And how you would actually hear them is go to the CD store, buy the CD, and that's how you would get it. Yeah. And so there were just like a handful of these labels, uh, Def Jam's. Uh, yeah, Def Jam, Island, uh, Island Records was huge. Uh, yeah. um, Interscope Records. Interscope. That's a really big one that what I was, remember. What was Puffy's? I'm trying to think right now. Uh, Bad, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Bad but that Boys. was his own label, though. Yeah, but I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, but, but, but he was in under that, but, in that time, though. That's but who he you was had to get under, through. I believe, Sony, though. Okay. So I mean, or Capital. I mean, there was always 
yeah. on somebody at the top. So neither one of you hit this, but the A&R reps would be everywhere. Exactly. There would be one in your region and your yeah. region and my other regions that I've lived yes. in. You know, I see Benjamin over on Facebook. He's seen this in, in all over the world from Detroit to where he's in uh, – uh, New York, Benjamin, I think you're in Benjamin. You still over there in New York? Chime in. And, uh, you know, this guy I've known also from actually the early 90s and stuff out out and about in the music. And he dealt with a lot of those other people like Funk Shop. Funk yeah. Shop, was a, when they first got started, Funk Shop here locally was being A&R reps for certain record labels. Nice. Well, I see. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So now um, you have the option, and again, Chance is the example in the hip-hop world, and it was what, 2000, I believe I found it in here, it was, uh, that's what I was scrolling through, I think it's 2017, he was one of the first independent artists within the hip-hop realm to win a Grammy, was it? I believe so. Yes. Yes. And so what this has done um, is created this, um, uh, the reality that you can self-distribute your own music. Mm-hmm. And win a Grammy. If it's and good, I mean, of course. And Chance is phenomenal at hitting. Good is very subjective, but yes. It is. I love Chance the Rapper, by Chance the way. Chance is but phenomenal. But at that time, he was, I, I think, the leader in the forefront for self-promoting and self-distributing his own music. Yeah. And um, and it does mention, he had a team. Like, he had friends. Of course he had he a had team. his own. It wasn't like he did everything no. himself. But he did do I mean, he's well, the one well, that set for, it up. For artists, no matter what, to be able to have a team set up like this that wasn't a record label forcing you to do things on their team, you know, he was able to make his own decisions his way, his pick of a team. And, and he gets... So, Sony would be like, oh, well, you have to work with Claire. So Kippy's joining us. Thanks for joining in, Kippy. JV, sorry about your 24-hour Facebook ban. I don't know what... I, I don't need to know what happened. <laughs> but uh, but we see... We, we always... We love seeing JV in yeah, our Twitch. so Kippy, Mac... And he's like, well, what about Macklemore actually did it with Heist? But didn't he have... Didn't Ryan Lewis and Macklemore have a major label behind him? Kippy? Yeah, Kippy too. Uh, should we... No, yeah? okay. not yet. Okay. In the chat room, Kippy, give us some give us some info here. Give us some love out of the Seattle, because you are the Seattle nerd. We we lean on you hard for Seattle. It's all good. Um, and the Detroit's like no. Um, so I don't nope. So I don't know. I didn't know that about the Macklemore and Ryan Lewis thing. Um, so that's news to me. So, uh, so this guy was asked in Rolling Stones, um, the owner of Ditto Music. What's generally the attitude towards traditional record day record deals nowadays? His answer was in the nineties, when an artist got signed, it, it was a scene. It was seen as a massive success. So, and the problem that there are with that is 50% of them who you'll never hear from again. If you actually look back at what happened in the nineties. So, and the other thing that goes on to be discussed too, so let's clarify independent in this. If you're under Sony, you have to, Sony's going to take all per- sorts of percentage. They're going to take a cut of your cash for yeah. sure. And uh, so to be able to do this independently is amazing for artists, but also creates a whole other number of challenges. And so Kippy's still chiming in over here on the chat. They just said uh, four Grammys, by the way, for Macklemore. Yeah, I'm not discrediting Macklemore no, in any way. He's phenomenal at what he did for his time, for sure. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things. I mean, 
it is different now than it was, say, in the 90s. We keep going back to the 90s because we're all from. Um, <laughs> but it's also before the era of high-speed downloads. Correct. And streaming. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I think it's the era you have to compare. We had a transition in the 2000s, but you were still downloading, and things became faster than real time. So yes. I, I think you have to compare that era, especially if we're talking about hip-hop, because mm-hmm. hip-hop's a younger gotcha. era of music. Well, you know, so, and then what makes, you know, I mean, so we're going to kind of segue over here. What makes the past song still playable, even on radio? I know as club guys like myself, we still play a lot of the old stuff because people want to hear it. But why is it still getting radio play? But again, according to this, only half of what was put out back then is what we're actually replaying, if we actually think about it. And it's really kind of true. So, um, but... To that, I know the point you're getting to. Um, it's because you had one channel and you only had one way to do things, really. You're like very seldom few options. So everybody was competing for that same channel mm-hmm. of distribution. And therefore, you had to compete for one lane instead of having 50 million lanes. But that's also when you, uh, it, it's kind of like when you oversaturate a market. It, it actually is exactly oversaturating a market. You, you not only now can pick out a song just because you didn't like the chime in uh, the other song. Yeah. Uh, it can get down to that much. Like, I didn't like the way that stem sounded. That? <laughs> so uh, that guy sucks. And I'm going to just move on in my Spotify. Yeah. And um, back then, no, you were introduced to an artist and that's what you were introduced to. And they only had, there was only so many that were going to get to those millions and millions of dollars. Um, but so your point is, is, was it harder, right? Yeah. Was it harder? Um, yeah, I think I think talent probably and... But again, there was a formula then too. Well, there's always a formula, but even in the 90s, there was a formula to get your music to the radio. I get that. But now to get your music to the radio, I think is a lot easier. But why are we... Why are the past songs of, say, the 90s and... I mean, it's I'm not, because it's actually because of uh, advancement I, of technologies and people's attention spans. This is true. And as anybody else noticed, current songs are, uh, you know, less than two and a half minutes now. Yeah. I no. mean, when 90 songs <laughs> and 80 songs were four minutes, five minutes, you know, so but current songs are two and a half minutes, three minutes. I mean, and I get that. I mean, and does that come from us DJs giving these people what they've wanted was two verses and we're out, you know I mean? So, um, yes and no, I think, or is that a Spotify Apple music thing when they're bored, they just skip to the next song. Do you have an opinion on that? I I have to say that I've seen that this time thing is all attention span. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants everything instant and they want their music instant now. Absolutely. And with it being instant, it also means it's instantly gone. It like it's here for a few weeks and then the next pop up. You brought up old. Now look at this uh, Fleetwood Mac becomes <laughs> dreams. Now is like a rehit all over again. Well, that's just because these young younger generations don't know the old music, and that's you know, and and nothing against the dude that made the TikTok thing go viral, and he did a phenomenal job. But he's our age, so he knows the song. You know what I'm saying? That was maybe his jam or something, and it just happened to be on TikTok or whatever, and he picked it up and played it. But that just goes back to why does everything have to revolve a social around a social platform to get even get 
radio play or club play today if it doesn't come from a social platform. Because that's how we live. That's how everyone was. I mean, the era that now is the generation that is now affecting uh, the success of an artist or um, consuming is was born with it. Yeah. They live their life through communication of a social media platform through this thing that sugar, sugar has in his hand that he hasn't been able to sit down, <laughs> but, and, and, and just give you guys an update here. So everybody's commenting. Sugar's probably doing his chat thing. Yes. He's actually doing a lot on that little tiny device to help yeah. us get to multiple platforms, shares and groups do his, he's doing sugar right now. <laughs> so and he's, good at it. he's very good at what sugar does in Spamming, screening, slamming, whatever sugar what do does. It? What do you call it, sugar? Sugar coating, uh, sugar. I, I, I just call it marketing. I'm, I'm, I'm telling anyone and everybody that's live on every platform to tune into this right now. Gotcha. And so right that, now, right now. So we're looking over one screen, guys, over here for our Twitch. I'm over here on Facebook, and I'll, I've been back and forth also on Instagram, letting people know they need to tune in. So, yeah, we have 10 people on Twitch right now. We have three people over on Facebook. I can see those numbers. Nobody on YouTube, which is fine because I will repost this on YouTube. Uh, we have two people all over on Mixcloud. Um, you know, so, and I can only see in my chat window right here is uh, Twitch. That's the only most active people that are commenting and tuning in with us is Twitch. Are you on your personal Facebook? So, yes, you should have a Hit Squad Facebook page open. Yeah, so um, we can see what's going on. You can do that on your computer over there, Nate. Um, I was actually going to ask Nate if you could pull up Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. I actually have all this discussion. Planned. Because <laughs> Billboard, <laughs> Billboard Hot 100, they have the breakdown there on yes, there of like do. letting us know what all the stats are, why a song is at number one right now. How many streams it has? How many radio plays it has? Not you on know, Billboard. I don't think. Yeah, Billboard Hot 100. If you look all, uh, let me pull it up. When he pulls it up, you can see. <laughs> turn off your volume. I had to turn on my volume so we didn't hear ourselves. You can, you, you can see. Everybody can see. DJs, friends, family. Everyone wants to know, like, why is that song number one? Well, because on one chart in R and B, it's this, and radio play, it's this, and and streaming well, services. Hey, so let me. Hey, Nate, I know you were in radio, and I know there's a lot of guys in here in radio in the chat room too. Do any of you guys still have your account to all access? Yes, I looked at that earlier. Oh, you did? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so well, Sugar brought this up, like spin counts. I, I can still log into my all-access account, too, and give exact radio plays and spin counts and ups and downs for the Portland market for any radio station, and I think it does it better for that. Yeah, so let me let me bring you into Billboard. So, yes, uh, Sugar did a very good job explaining basically Billboard's it, it, I, I think we do have to explain this. There again, the generation that's consuming doesn't actually. I don't think they understand billboards. So, billboards has always been the standard, and you'll hear billboard awards, you'll see billboard uh, concerts, all sorts of things, and it's always been based originally off of radio play and spins, and that's where if you got into the Hot 100, you were getting the hottest rotation in the clock and during radio play. And so that was determining your popularity. That was actually driving. It was actually recording record sales as well. And do you remember this, either you guys, uh, Radio and Records? Radio and Records. It was a website slash company. No. No. So that was the other site that radio used and labels used as well to track record sales. And what happened is Billboard bought those out, right? So now it's all that information's in Billboard's. 
the other thing that is now determining your bid billboards is is your uh, stream rate is how often you're getting played on Spotify, Apple Music, all those other things. So Billboard is still a very accurate source. Yeah, I'm I mean, not discrediting it at all. Oh no, I I'm just well, making people aware that if you want to see what our nation and our world is putting up in a poll of being the hottest thing. So wait, wait, I got to slow you down on one aspect right off the bat. Yeah. When I go into hot 100, which I've been doing every week for, except for COVID, I used to go in every single week while we were DJing. Yeah. I want us to know what's going on hot 100. (laughs) What I noticed the last two years, we have so many people busting out whole albums. Yes. And, and because they're new, all the streaming services are hitting, get, having the highest hits. So, like a Drake thing comes out, the whole album comes out on Billboard yeah. Hot 100. That's not what it used to be ten no. years ago, twenty years ago. No, that's a good point. That is actually a great example. So the information is representing that as well, and it's it's not just radio play. Again, it's another source that you can access that song. But that's how it. it it does make it different than what it was in the 90s. Things would stay on the chart for longer. But now if a new album drops, all sorts of people are going to get bumped off the chart and they're going to come back on Easy. in like four days. Yeah, exactly. a new album dropped and on Spotify is being downloaded and listened to more than anything else because they were a hot artist before. So, Well, and D here in the chat room, he's like, what about that Roses song? You know, the I Am A Beak remix. Yeah, the that thing blew up because of social media. Yeah. Tons of radio play because of social media. We started playing it in the clubs. I'm not going to dis- disregard it. It's a great song. So, but, Which brings up, but like the other topic is how fast music drops off too. That song did. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> what is the shelf life and how fast does it come on in the scene and how fast does it disappear? I mean, I'm playing maybe sometimes a track three or four times and people don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, if you're lucky to get through a month, I think as an artist, you're doing a really amazing job <laughs> at this point. And that's pretty sad. Yeah, it used to be months, man. And even look at country, like country. Holy crap. If you had a country hit back in Billboard days, you, you were, were there. Six months. Top. You were there for, yeah. yeah six months, seven months. A long time. Yeah. But now country has gone the way of pop. And there is no more true country, if you yeah, ask me. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's pop country. So here's another uh, system I read about as well. So let's bring this up. So how artists are getting paid, you know, um, they're not making it from these plays. The actual stat that I found is Spotify pays most artists between 0.003 and 0.005, one third of a penny to one half of a penny for each stream. Per play. Yeah. Per play. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. That's what you're getting. So if you have a label deal, they're going to be taking most of that. Yeah. Anyway. It's insane. So that's where you can put yourself on Spotify. See, and that's why there was a big... I mean, what was it? Six months ago, I saw it going around the social media platforms of, you know, of, you know, I guess, you know, staying away from Spotify because of that. They're not paying the artist, you know, so it was really hard to, uh, I don't know. Spotify is so huge and Apple Music is so huge. Um, You know, I mean, there's some people listening. They might not know. uh, But what you know of Apple Music today was actually uh, Beats. Streaming service, I believe. Um, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Um, I thought he sold, Dre sold like he did so, to Apple or something. Okay, so that's why people get mis. I, I guess they're confused about that. But Dre and Apple, or Dre and Jimmy Iovine, yes, sold the Beats headphones, the Beats company. 
Apple didn't give a shit about the headphones. They wanted their streaming platform that they just launched. I think it was called Beats Music, which is, you know, it as Apple Music Today. So, I mean, that's if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty. They bought, so Beats, you know, but they wanted the Beats streaming platform. So, um, so going into the pay, and I, I keep using Spotify. I don't. If Apple, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a Spotify user too. I mean, so I'm not really seeing a lot of action in our actual Facebook page. It's kind of weird. But um, so what happens? So the question would be right as uh, how do now you transfer that into the billboards? Like how how are you going to climb up your plays on Spotify to get big enough where us as a club DJ are actually going to use your stuff? You know. Social media. Okay. You know, I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, these these younger people, younger generations, you know, uh, teeny boppers that are driving this music to this day, I, I think it's not even the 21 to 30-year-olds that we see in the clubs. It's the 12 to 20s oh, that I are driving like, the music. Oh, did we baby shark it? That's what I was about to bring up. I'm like, I, think, I think it was like six years, six-year-olds deciding sometimes, oh. too. And, and, and before that, it was let it go. Yeah, but, but come on. I mean, we all know Piper on the stream. I mean, Frozen's, yeah. that's all I know. That's all she sings. But I mean, that, come on. But, but that's actually showing another factor of what this new distribution of music and due to social media and how it can spread that way, the the facts sometimes on these charts are actually being affected by a lot younger and just a demographic that can't purchase anyways. But also things, the cereal world showed how you can sell cereal, though, to yeah. children and then parents buy a ton of it. So it's not a bad way to go. You can make a ton of money off it. But uh, the other thing, though, too, uh, that I brought that was brought to my attention in my research was in Spotify. So to get more plays beyond your little social media or whatever you've grown, there's an algorithm running in the background like our entire life. Oh, of yes. course there is. Everything... We are trying to get through algorithms. I'm trying to apply for jobs, and I have to redo my resume to get through an algorithm. Uh-huh. So the how are you going to beat that algorithm within Spotify and bring it up? And you have to get more plays. So the more plays you get based off your social media, and that is now going to – what Spotify is now going to do, it will come up more often as a suggested artist to other people. But you have to beat that system. So it's basically like playing on your phone or a video game all day. As an artist, that's... And just playing and playing and playing and playing. Yeah, Yeah. and one of the keys is you have to record, 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 and just keep putting it out there. And hopefully, uh, you get some sort of spark on your social media that allows that algorithm to pick you up more often than the rest. Yeah. And uh, however Chance and um, the other independents have figured that algorithm out is, is impressive. It's super impressive that they beat, they beat it. Like that's they basically. Well, they beat the big, big we'll call it the big business, which was the record labels that used to rob people. So, like, did well, anyone watch the documentary they, of they New Edition? Oh, they they still do. They yes. still do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the other step I found. Let me see if I can. So, I mean, that. we can talk about like how songs blew up. Like Old Town Road started, I believe, on TikTok as a dance or something, or YouTube, or on the dude's personal Instagram or something. You know. And then Billy Ray Cyrus saw it, and then the original, and then then he joined on, and then the next thing you know, it's a fucking world hit, you yeah. know. And where's that kid now? But uh, I don't know. 
Is he alive? Did COVID know. get him? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, that's just that's how fast it happens, and that's how fast you go away if if you don't stay on stay on your game. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it's harder and harder to keep up. Just, I mean, so yeah, I would love to be like, yeah, I, I wish we all could be superstar turntablists, but we don't even have time to keep up on the music, let alone. Well, and exactly. So, stuff. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow me on my social platforms, but I was stoked to see Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and Exhibit release a brand new track. Yeah. We need that in this world today. It's because you're old and so am I. <laughs> but still, I mean, is it is anyone out there enjoying the mumble rap? Mumble, 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 you know. Yeah, do we have any little people? Little people? Or I shouldn't tuning say in right pe- now? People do that listen to little artists? Little Uzis? Little, little, little babies? Little, all the babies. There's little, all the babies There's now. a ton of littles. And a ton of babies. A ton of babies. Right <laughs> K- Kippy's a big fan of the babies. Kippy is? Oh, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kippy. I, yeah. I, I did watch some YouTube stuff on Little Baby, and he... You know, I can't hate him. He's actually a pretty good rapper. Like, so what? Honestly. who started all this little stuff? Was it Lil Wayne? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> actually, yeah. Lil Wayne actually is accredited for mumbo rapping, actually. No way. But, but he's actually more lyrical than what you realize now when we have a comparison. Yeah. See, JV, you're not the only one. Try being yeah, in little, our shoes. There is. Little Peep. That's 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 his. Sign. Little Peep. Yeah. So, I mean, JV, okay. welcome to our world trying to keep up with all these littles when they come up. Hey, play this little. Play that little. Dude, sh- shut the fuck up and get out of here. <laughs> Sorry about the language. That's actually why I like when they hold the phone up and I'm like, Absolutely. which one is it? Uh, that one. Okay. Yeah, but that's gets that annoying one too. little. But honestly, you guys, I'll take any of that right now just to go have a gig so yeah no absolutely i'll, I'll do a whole night uh, a little i'll do a little night <laughs> a little night lil <laughs> seawell brings you l-i-l so but i mean so so which brings up why are we still playing then i mean i mean we still goes back to the past i mean why are our club guys still playing i mean how old is in the club that's 20 years old right yeah, it's the same point. Yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say, dude. You're just trying to say that that era is better than this era. It's not even that. But why, I mean, I just don't understand it. Though. Why? I mean, so these kids today still like that era of music, though, over some of the new stuff it's that's coming out. because their parents played it and they got played, and it's because you spent longer times with it. It was in your life longer. Yeah, I don't know. And that's, that's why it's still played. Uh, this, this stuff is not in your life very long. You, no, I mean, I I had to really watch some YouTube videos to even really know much about Lil Baby, you know, and <laughs> and he's, I don't know if he has another hit out right now. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, but 50 Cent, and during that time, again, they had to go through a major label channel, they had to go through a major producer, and they had to be represented by that. By somebody, correct. And these guys didn't have to c- compete with that. They didn't have to compete. No. They didn't have to build their chops, and that's... Nope. And, and I get the point of that, but I also like, I, uh, the more I've researched, I, I don't want to discredit how they've had to beat the system though. And I'm not talking about the man. I'm not talking about the, I'm talking <laughs> about the algorithms. Yeah, like, yeah. They have figured out how to get through them and to get the plays. Yes. Eminem is old school now, Kippy. We get that. Uh, but did you know he's the only, I think there were 10 consecutive albums for to hit 10 consecutive number ones. I think it was. Yeah. You know, so, but Eminem is phenomenal. I mean, he might be a crazy white dude from Detroit, um, but I I think he's phenomenal. He is a hard worker, so. 
Yeah, and he brought up 50 Cent. He brought up a whole bunch of people, and that was, again, yes. another channel. He was like another generation of a Dre label. And yeah, yeah, JV, that's it. Ten consecutive number one debuts. debuts. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Thanks for the clarification, JV. Appreciate it. So um, you get less than a quarter of a penny from getting your plays. Uh, you're, so this is relevant. And to get into the charts, so you have to beat the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That has to go through on all the, all the platforms from Apple Music to Spotify to Google Music, all of it. And, and then to get onto the charts now, and what was the other one? The, um, oh man, I just spaced out. You get, oh man, I can't believe I just pulled that out. Oh, so what I wanted to go into <laughs> was the, in the radio, so in the radio side, right, we want to say uh, there's an argument, is it still relevant or not? Well, if you're focusing on a, site like billboards and that's what's determining the, the awards you get yeah, yeah. for and the billboard music awards or the whatever billboard yeah. music awards and maybe the grammy sections and the emmy sections and all those things uh yes i would say they still play a role in the stats okay they yeah. still affect how often you get played but you have to beat the algorithms and the computers first and then you get radio play and you almost have to beat the algorithms to get club play now and when you do that so how they're determining now they're new. So we, I talked about Arbitron. It is now Nelson. So Nelson was TV, right? Nelson would stick a box on your television. You would get paid so much per month and they would monitor what you watched. And then that would go into the stats. And so TV obviously has had more of a realistic number than radio did. But now what we have is what we call people meters. And these came out right about the end of my career, and you receive a pager, and you wear a pager around. It's basically like a pager, and it senses. It's a sound, uh, India's sound scan is what they're calling it. Uh, We call it people meters when I was there, and it still comes up as that. But the weird thing about this is, so if you're in your car, it's going to pick up what station's on. If you're in a department store, it's going to pick up those sound waves. Wow. Things like that. So all that now goes into a computer system and creates charts. It was crazy to go back and see and visit with people in my market after these changed. The people in number one were no longer number one. So in let's, I mean, this is going to definitely put Salt Lake jokes out there. But um, the <laughs> number one station in Salt Lake for years was like, I think it was, what was KSL, which was a, branch of the church it was cozy fm or hot soft hits but again who's filling that out stay at home women single women stay at home exactly it was amazing what it did though it is no longer number one there is a completely different hierarchy of radio stations now of who is rated the highest as far as listenership goes right and that's what determines and now all based upon these people meters so you get paid to wear a meter and you wear it around. So if your song comes up more often in that, and I would imagine now it's going to pick up scan Spotify tracks and things like that, yeah. like Shazam. So, yeah, it's mainly to determine what frequency you're listening to. And so, but that's where the numbers come from now. And those get calculated with your spins and your plays on the download and stream platforms like Apple and I'm. Yeah, because I, I believe Billboard is still tracking the Spotify plays and the Apple Music yeah. plays. They are still cal- 
still tracking the streaming platforms as plays towards a billboard charting position. And they take those Nelson informations and they calculate yeah. that along with it. And whoever gets the most plays on both uh, moves your way through the charts. But Real quick. Hey, Bo. Hopefully uh, you're surviving out there in Vegas. We're uh, doing our best up here in the Northwest and your Portland hometown up here. Uh, anyone else uh, see anything going on in our no, chat room? Just Detroit. You know, we, we well, the, there's Cryptic, the Sound Rebel. He's uh, like, I couldn't come over tonight. I'm going to chill at home or whatever. And and we, got, we, uh, got, we got Tony Mafia in the room. What up, Tony? Good to Is see that, you. Thanks, which thanks platform for are you on? I, I, I created a watch party. Oh, okay. I shared off our well, that's page. Nice. Yeah, I'm on our page and there's no one in it. So I, I, I wanted them to come follow this way, some way. No, I get it. <laughs> I wanted to check my own and see if any. Gotcha. But I think I linked to our page, right? Gotcha. I believe I did. So, Bo, real quick, I, if you're still in the room, we just ended up having, I, I saw like Vegas is selling off like casinos. Well, here in Portland, the Tube, yeah. which has been around a long time, and many other clubs, all have shut down as of tonight. So, wow. uh, <laughs> all right, go Dodgers. That's all I, I just saw. Yeah, Bo, that up Bo, there. Bo's uh, he's watching the game for us. Uh, two one in the eighth. Oh, Dodgers. Thanks for the update. I appreciate that, dude. It's been a long time since '88 for a Dodger fan. I just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's uh, that's shelf life of music. I think we carried covered a lot of topics of that. Thanks for chiming in with us. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to close out on one thing to kind of bring it into the uh, COVID situation and things like that and how artists all over and all entertainment is being affected. Uh, one of the facts, again, Rolling Stone magazine. Actually, let me read these numbers. They're crazy. Oh, you really got a pillow? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read them all. Uh, anyways, the band U2, I believe, in they did this in like 2017 or 2015, made... $52 million on tour. And, um, but in sales, they didn't make anything, right? Like in, uh, in record sales, that's not where they're getting their money. So now all artists are having, they're making it off sponsorship, you know, like doing mention and selling their brand onto other things. But mainly all income into the entertainment business is because of touring. And that's where, and their merch sales, so that's how the artists are really getting supplemented. Oh, yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw that really quick with a lot of the big bands. They had to get out there and get on tour to make their money because okay. they weren't making the record sales. They yeah. weren't getting enough streams. Yeah, but that's, I mean, we can go back. I mean, uh, you okay. still had to tour to get music. Here, out. Here's the breakdown I wanted to find. Sorry. Uh, it said, so YouTube was the highest paid Musical act of the year. Again, this is from 2017. This is a few years back. $54.4 million. The total earnings of about 95% of that $52 million came from touring, while less than 4% came from streaming and album sales. You still had 4%. to tour. 4%. Yeah, you still had to tour. Yeah. You still had to sell merch. Just the same thing we're trying to do. Sell merch. That's the only thing that makes us money is so, merch. But, it, I mean, that's a... That actually just shows you why. So if you're independently distributing, you're actually going to receive another hunk of money if you are able to maintain your royalties and beat the algorithms, get the plays, get on the charts, and those things. And then you get your touring. But for the most part, that's why Napster. Yeah, labels. Detroit's throwing in Napsters in there. Who was on Napster platform? I don't Me. Know. I think we all were. <laughs> 
I mean, come on, let's be real. We're all DJs in the digital world or the crossover, and Napster was the place to get it, right? I mean, let's be honest with each other. That's where it happened. Man, that, um, that that was that was a rough period. I have to say that, like that after Nap- Napster, when, when, when it was LimeWire. I, I, I remember in general, like as a guy that ran out there with all these records, I had to go to Napster because I didn't have everything on record, and I'm mixing up going from weddings, corporations, and nightclubs. Nightclubs was easy to get the record, the record store, or platinum records, yeah. by the way, and. So I would go to like Platinum and I'd sometimes even go, hey, guys, do you have such and such? And I'd have to go home and get on Napster. Yeah. You know, it's just the digital era. That's where it was at for sure. I mean, uh, who's why are we going to sit here and lie and saying we weren't on Napster? That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Nate being the good guy over there, maybe he was on it. I don't know. So I, I tried it. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't I, think how I, many viruses did we all get a ton? So I oh my god I didn't start this style of DJing though during that time I was gotcha. on the radio so and I we were in I was in college radio and at the time we had jukebox cable clunk <laughs> these big old knobs <laughs> pots on our board <laughs> and this toggle switch went cooking and uh, yeah so you had to run CDs and mini discs and all those things gotcha um yeah so i anyways it's it's very interesting to see how artists get paid and how things are changed in the distribution and ultimately it has changed the shelf life of music and people's attention span in general um now so our role has changed as well um I would say again, it's kind of flip flopped a couple times like back in the disco era we broke tracks we Ooh, did those yes. things. Um, now I wouldn't say as much, you know, I don't break out hardly single record. I wait for people to come ask me for what's popular. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only follow so many charts. I can only get so much music, which I have a shit ton of. We all know that, <laughs> but I don't know what's popular until somebody comes and asks for it a couple of times. Like, oh yeah, sure. Fuck, I'll, I'll play that. I'll play that. Then I know that needs to be in rotation because that's what people are wanting. You know, it's just kind of how, where we're at these days. I mean, that's how I do it. Yeah. They got to beat the algorithm. Yeah. And then make it to Clint. <laughs> there you go, because I'll stick to my nineties. <laughs> so, so, um, and the reason we have to do that, and because let's put it this way too, um, just to know the opinions you're getting from us. We, no one on this panel right here is a music producer, correct? Like, do you guys? No, do you guys produce beats? I, I don't. No, yeah. No. So none of us are actually pushing our own music. We are using other ones and we fight with the rights online and all this all the time. That's why we're doing podcasting today, Yeah. but we're just trying to get paid. So um, one of the things that's interesting is how the scale of pay has worked out as well. And the competition and the change in the pattern of our industry because of this technology and the access to it. And being able to, like, even my halfway, uh, uh, I don't know what word to say, um, not very musically inclined. I, I attempted bass guitar back in the day, can now get on the software. And, I, you know, I give myself less credit than I should, but I, I can mix fluidly. Yeah, and so I can do those things. And I was able just to progress really fastly. Mafia brought up a good point, though. It says the DJs make the tunes and the charts just want us to play them. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. Mafia's old. <laughs> Whoa. I love you, Mafia, though, you know. <laughs> but he is. We all are. Yeah, we all are. And I think that I, and, I, and I'll be that guy. I'll be the devil advocate in this because I'm old and I realize that I make these same 
same assumptions and we do we did i think i I think we did i think um and and again it's my opinion and his opinion's probably different too because he does a lot more vinyl and he came from a really strong era of breaking tracks yeah yeah you know he broke way more tracks than i ever will in my career (laughs) and uh he uh so i understand where he's coming from but i i think that now we're just trying to get paid and get our jobs done. And we're just trying to stay up with the charts alone because the timing has moved so quickly. So fast. Like back then you could break a track because it would last a long time. Yeah. But now we can't. So with that being said, um, sugar being said, kind of like James, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Good to see you in the chat room. Uh, you know, we got a lot of people going on over here. Kippy buzz. Um, you know, uh yeah so we'll uh wrap this up with the self shelf life of music i mean that's a good ex i mean uh breakdown of our interpretation yeah so what i i was bringing you into the fact of pay and dj pay gotcha and uh that's the point i was trying to make is we're not always breaking tracks we're trying to do this because we need jobs and i was gonna go i sugar is probably been in this market both of you guys have been here really he's been here longer than me though a really long time (laughs) only because i came out before you and so (laughs) this is this is the way i understood it i know as far as earlier in talking with and i can speak for like salt lake i guess but uh prior to my time it was pretty pretty common to be able to receive at least 100 bucks an hour right was it or was it not back in it, 90s, felt, it, it felt like 80s. that was just mobile. Mobile was always a hundred dollars an hour. Clubs still, even back, you had to like everybody had to hustle differently. Uh, my boy DJ Reckless, I bring up once in a while, used to make a deal where he got percentage of the bar and a pay, and then uh-huh. he got to a point where he was taking the door and that and and, and everything, and then also getting a flat fee. Uh, and that's a good point. So when did and I, I'm going to be learning some stuff right now. Um, would you say that pay structure kind of went more to a flat rate than actually getting the option of having the bar percentage? Yeah. Um, Owner, owners want, did not want, like, owners like, are greedy. AKA Chris Lenahan that used to be around here would never give his bar. No, of course uh, not. He didn't give his door. How no. many years ago when it, was it a common thing to be able to negotiate a bar? Um, and when we say bar, we're talking like the percentage of the sales off the bar. I would say 2005. Okay. Cause like my brother and I were able to do a little hustling like that back in the day, you know, the chef would cook, would cook up like a, a team of girls and we got to get paid for them. And we also got paid DJ. So one of the owners that would had the long ranch here in town, eh? Um, mm-hmm. I got a flat fee and then a percentage of the sales also. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, some nights could be 500 Some nights could be $900, you know, depending on, on what bar sales were. Um, I mean, but it based off of, you know, if, if the bar didn't reach a, reach a certain percent of sales, then I got my flat fee. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I always had a guaranteed money. But after the bar made over so much, I got what percentage of bar sales. Okay, uh, so that, so that's a double edged sword to go down. You know what I'm saying? But if someone's if you're if you know you can do really well in bringing people in and people are going to come see you or hang out in said venue, there's nothing wrong with bar sales. 
No. Uh, what would you say? Um, could you kind of give a ballpark of the least to the greatest during these percentage breakdowns you guys were working through? I, I, I I've never say, worked I, off I, a percentage. I would say $150 was the lowest that any DJ would get paid. Even the worst DJ would get at least 150 bucks to walk in the door okay. in any spot. Mine hey, was 100 to, but. To, Tony Mafia, Mafia out there, let me know. Did you ever have any deals like this? Or was at Concept Entertainment, you guys just had your paychecks and knew how much you guys were going to make after every time you checked in? So if you made 150 though, I, I, I guess uh, the answer to the question I'm seeking for is what was the greatest amount you could make on top of that if you were in a bar percentage? Like, oh, What's bar probably percentage. the most you've made off a of bar percentage? Most yeah. I've made off of bar percentage? Yeah, either one of you. I, I've never entered into those contracts. So I think the most I made off of bar percentage on one night was $1,500. That okay. was a New Year's. And that was a uh, four-hour set? Four-hour set. Four-hour set. That's a good question. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. But that was a New Year's Eve, though, for us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be a bigger night regardless. But And that very next day, I was fired because of that. So <laughs> Because you took $1,500? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, what was your? Oh, pers- oh, wait, wait! My brother just chimed in because he worked at Concept too. They paid new DJs like twenty dollars an hour. Twenty dollars an hour. True. For we all- five hours sets or something like back at Concept Entertainment. Yeah, I mean, well, Concept Entertainment. I mean, Dan, Dan, I love you, Dan. You did a lot for Portland. Um, they still trying. Yeah, but anyway, Concept Entertainment. Yeah, I think it was twenty, twenty-five bucks an hour or something like that. I mean, it wasn't much, but it was enough to get your feet wet and get you in the door downtown Portland for sure. But, I mean, so, yeah, I don't know. You were an employee. Kippy, you were an employee of Kip, of Concept. Well, were you an employee of Concept at that time? Kippy I, never has been. No, I've been. I, I got a 1099 from him, but, I mean, I wasn't, like, a W-4 from him. So, I don't know. My, my brother was. <laughs> he was? <laughs> he, he, he was a busboy at Bar 71 and a, a bartender. And so, did you got, did both of you DJ in the 90s? Yes. Okay. So you're saying the rates in the '90s were still like 150 bucks? Could be sometimes. Sometimes. And what my, it, what, what it was based on back then yeah. was uh, the KJ would come in for 100 bucks, they pay you an extra 50 bucks. Uh, okay. And then uh, so because I I know that we also entered into kind of a debate where you would set down and people I, I don't know if you guys got asked this, but it never worked. I always had to come up with a sales argument against it, but. Um, they wanted to know how many people, once social media broke out, they wanted to know how many how people. Many followers. Yeah, how many followers, how many friends, how many. It's still whatever. bullshit. It doesn't matter to us what we have to follow. I mean, it's funny to hear promoters talk about that. No matter what your following is. I mean, it's not our fucking job. So if you That's guys. That's the way I look at it. We're, uh, Portland had no clubs. What they you had talking a, about, Kippy? What? We had a few. What are you talking about? Uh, Barracudas. Uh, yeah. Trio. Hey, Kippy, remember we did a nightclub on my birthday when you DJed with me? I was blinded drunk by the end, but hey, it was my birthday. Uh, yeah. Um, But yes, we've had some nightclubs and like a lot of other major cities, they've all gone to lounges too. That's all, a whole other thing. Another reason why pay scales have changed. In the 90s, there was a time when uh, multiple clubs around the United States, here in Portland too, there was full on nightclubs. Okay. Like, yeah, but I mean... I don't know. My best pay was in the two thousands. Mine too. Yeah. So I, I think personally got up to like I think four fifty or five hundred dollars a night. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so during the two thousands. 
before 2008 hit. After that, it went back down to like, I think, $100, $150 a night. So in all our pay, typically, I'm again, I'm asking and just trying to uh, make an explanation for people that haven't DJed, is coming, is it going to come directly from the bar owner? Were you guys working underneath promoters? Like, how did... Uh, bar owners. Okay. Did any of you enter into any relationship where you got paid by a promoter versus the bar? Never. Uh, my brother and I did. Did you? We worked with uh, this guy KP and Jermaine for a while. How did how did they break down your percentages? Like, what did they get paid and what did they pay you? We, we just got paid by them. They'd so, be like, uh, Detroit, you're in this room. You're making 300. Sugar, you're making 300 in this room. Okay. And they were running the door. They were running the marketing then. We at that time well, it was great. We we just show up to so a place called H two O at the time, and they would just throw a host the party there. Okay, gotcha. So we got Kippy on the line here. He just oh. called in from Seattle, so uh, I think he wants to chime in on the pay scale here. It's a good time. What do you think, Kippy? I mean, as far as clubs, I mean, I just want to go back to the clubs important. You guys had no. Why do you think I left Portland? <laughs> There's five fucking clubs there. Yeah. I came to Seattle because the, the pay was better. Okay, I, I I remember the pay was better in Seattle. But you guys, uh, but you guys didn't have clubs down there. What did you guys have? You had an underage club, and then you had down. You had like four places. I'm talking in the early nineties. I don't know. I I wasn't in Portland in the early nineties. I didn't I didn't make it to Portland and get into Portland scene until ninety six, ninety ninety nine. And, and here's the thing: is not until you got to think. Not until Jammin' 95.5 came out did you guys have a hip-hop top 40 R&B club in Portland. Facts. So it's still yeah. underground music. Yeah. You gotcha. know? And that, and that's, so, so when that happened, when 95.5 came in, it, it turned everything around. You guys, act, little clubs, like, started pop, popping up, you know? And then all of a sudden, you guys had all those clubs. And now so, that's I all mean, we have, you know? which is bullshit, right? So... Mm-hmm. so. But it, I mean, I, hey, I live in Seattle, which is a little bit bigger market now, but as far as a super club goes, neither town can support it. That's We've true. tried no, it in Seattle. No, never, no. You know, and that's, and that's our thing. I mean, Clint, you work in lights, you work in, in the, uh, in the sound industry, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I... It, yeah, I mean, I do more stuff installs in the smaller venues because they're just... It's just smart business, you know? Look, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, I mean, but, we can take this back to Eric, right? All his venues were small, right? Yes, that's true. But it, but the thing is, it works in Portland. Yeah, I think it works. I've tried to do that in Seattle. I was like, it's forty to seventy people in a venue that's smaller. It's going to work a little bit better because you're not trying to go after the same person at four or five clubs that are three hundred to four hundred people. It's always easier to fill a and small think, place than it is a large place. I would say when I oh it is and 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 I think the music gets a little bit better at that too. So you're not, I don't know. I mean, I you know, um, I don't know. Like I said, I just it came up. It came the, the situation is just that Portland's in you know in general in the nineties just kind of got wasn't really doing anything. Like Sugar said, one hundred fifty to one hundred dollars was getting paid. Yeah, I mean, I think we all started out. I mean, I'm done. But weren't I you guys keeping the grunge print. alive? Like, it was all grunge bands, and <laughs> it was live wait, music wait, wait, back wait, wait. then in I, the I, 90s, I, right? Actually, no. Actually, what was really big for Kippy and I was actually warehouse parties were still raves. I remember doing so many raves in between Portland and Seattle then. What about you, Kippy? 
I didn't start, honestly, I didn't start. I, my first club gig up in Seattle was 98, 99. I was still playing breaks in house. Mm-hmm. So, you-, you know, and I didn't, I didn't top 40. I didn't stop, start playing top 40 until early 2000. Did it so smell like Teen Spirit? Music. Yeah, Did like Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah weird. Like so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> poor little guys saying, hate it, it, grunge jokes. They hate them. They hate them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you know, but I'm just saying this. I just remember leaving Seattle. When I left Portland, I wasn't not disgruntled with leaving Portland or anything like that. It's, Portland still had a lot of growth, and, you know, luckily a radio. I mean, hey, the first thing you got to think is Paul Allen. Paul Allen, without Paul Allen bringing that radio station to you guys, Z100 wasn't doing anything for, no, for anything down there. <laughs> Except so, for the copper pennies and the refractories. Exactly, and what? <laughs> and you know what? My my sister, who's fifty five years old, that's where she went. So that was, you know, that was still older people, just like we said, old school. You know, uh, I mean, you got to think about that. I mean, why do you think refactory lasted as long as it did? Because old people were still hanging out there. Facts. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, but it's, I mean, let's get back to the pay situation. I mean, so you know, in the early nineties. Late nineties, you're getting four to five hundred dollars a gig, right? Uh, yeah, and um, mm-hmm. I, I would say that more of the reason why you're getting paid more, a your records cost a lot more. That was the biggest thing. You were carrying, you were doing a lot more than downloading a, a track. You were digging, you were doing a lot more. And I think that the owners, the club promoters, they knew that. So whereas as soon as Serato hit. Why would I want to pay you five hundred dollars a night? There's no reason. When you There's can just nobody, the, when you can get the next guy who has a computer to come to, to, to come do it too. Exactly. But here here's my thing is what would what would entitle somebody to get paid five to six hundred dollars at a club night in Portland or Seattle? I, I I'm still baffled when somebody gets paid that I go, None of these DJs in Seattle or Portland are worth five hundred bucks. Not, that's me saying not but, in today's standards, I, I don't believe so. The, you know. the closest no, thing, I, see, in Seattle, this did happen too, Kippy. Down here, one of those Mexican DJs down here, he has an actual following that fills out a building. Yeah, but that's... that's and the, I get that. That's the whole different Latin scene, though. If it wasn't for Latin music in the last five years, he would be nowhere. True, because he's not that talented. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, what that's, I'm saying. Sugar, um, whenever, hey, whenever you were doing dirty and stuff like that, you guys, this Thursday night was great. You can't complain because that was a, the mu- the music you guys were playing was that at that time. So people were coming, and then once that once that Latin like that was about the time the Latin started. If you're a Latin DJ or or anything type like that, you're huge. I mean, it's the same thing in Seattle. My man Precision kills it up here. Yeah, oh, Precision's awesome. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, you know what I mean. But I mean, also then you look at like we'll take somebody like Precision. Not only is he DJing. Well, he worked at Ring, and Correct. he's bilingual. That makes, he's worth more money because he can do that. Hey, correct. You know, I, I mean, I yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, mean, that's the way. So we can take, I mean, like R2 here in Portland. He's the same thing. I mean, I know we're talking about Denver, who has a huge Latin following. Yes. Um, but R2 is phenomenal at what he does for the Latin community, and he's been grinding for like, grinding. years. Grinding for years. And he's on Denver's coattails. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's just like, but Precision is, a, he's, 
I don't know. He's part of the industry, though. You know what I'm saying? He's not just. That, it, it's he's not just a DJ. He's part of the industry, though. And same thing with you, Clay. You're the same way. You, you, you're like me. We're we're all we're all different breed. We're a different breed than just a DJ. Because hey, I know I almost give you about 50 DJs and set them in a room with a mixer, a turntable. I guarantee you they won't set it up. They don't know how to, which you should know. They don't. One hundred percent. Every DJ should know how to hook up their equipment. That that way they can uh, troubleshoot if something <laughs> happens. Instead of going there, I don't know what to do. I got nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and it goes back to even our birthday boy, problem solver. He can't solve any problem with sound <laughs> systems, lighting. <laughs> but it goes back to this. I, I get on sugar, and one thing I get on sugar about is he doesn't know a damn lick about his PC. And every time he gets in a problem, he'll try to be like, Kippy, he'll be like, Kippy, what's up? I'm like, dude, get a match. No, man. And I love Jeff. It's the best. But guess what? Fuck him and his PC because all he's doing is brainwashing fucking sugar. Yeah. So I, I, I even one of us. Oh my god! I see Kippy. I, I, good. We're on the same track with Suge. He needs to get a Mac, dude. He has you to lean on. He has me to lean on. And Jeff, I, I love Jeff to death. But like I told, like I told Sugar the other day, I said, "Listen, man, if Jeff's going to do it, guess what? You need to sit in a room with him for three hours, and he gives you the basic rundown about the PC." True. Oh man, uh, I don't. Something's wrong. It's overheating. How is your computer? It's brand fucking new. How is it overheating? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah anyway so I mean, anyway gotcha so i, I think we I discussed mean, a lot of the I, I think we discussed the pay in the 90s so then we were talking about because i i can't really talk to you guys about the 90s and dj because i was in radio <laughs> making a salary with two offices in a television radio station working for the utah jazz so <laughs> but <laughs> then i got Fired. And how that work out for you now? Enron. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. then we come into the 2000s, right? And they, and would you, were there bigger clubs back then, Kippy, in that era, in the early 2000s? Because I know I was DJing one of my residency for like three, three and a half years. Was three to 500 people, like no joke. Like uh, that's... And what were you getting paid? Jack. I was only getting 150 bucks for that. But I was playing with a band in between their sets. So it wasn't like so, but, but I, I was guys, only okay. doing a two-hour so, set. Did you, did you, were, were you on records, CDs? What were you playing on? Uh, that was, it was digital. So I was on uh, the Serato platform. So you see, so when I started playing, when I started getting the clubs, I've been working with the same company for for almost 20 years. I from Benham, Amber, to Calgary, all the same owner. Um, but I've also ventured out, but I've stuck with this company because they're just great, you know. And plus, the owner's one of my best friends. But I mean, the bottom line is that. When I started there, we were getting five, six hundred dollars, and that was to split the night. So each of us were living with three hundred dollars, tips, whatever. Um, well, me and my buddy DJ Austin Payne, we 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 kind of got on the groove of two by four. We were pretty much getting pretty pretty notarized in Seattle as you know the top top guys. Um, so when Venom started saying, "Hey, we were gonna we're gonna cut you guys out," I uh, I went over to another club and I got us a, I got us a good chunk of change. I mean, up to because you know people were wanting to come see us. So um, that was probably two thousand four, five, six, somewhere around there. And, and I mean, for me and Austin, we were getting close to eight hundred bucks. So that was pretty good money. Hmm. Um, you know, and and uh, what years and was then, that? Like four or five, 
right be- right when Serato came out, so about four or five. Two thousand four. Two thousand four five. Okay. Yeah, that was. See, I so, I started after that. So. Yeah. So I mean, up here, especially in Seattle, it, money was still around. Um, one of my first gigs I ever played was a Planet Hollywood, uh, owned by a. Uh, that one guy and all the, the guys, um, Arnold, Arnold, yeah, Arnold, yeah, and uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they all owned it. And uh, I'll tell you this: I walked in there, and I was I was probably like twenty four years old. I had two bags of records. I was playing with the radio guys, and um, I walked in there, and you name any basketball star at that time, they were sitting down there, and this kid's still smoking clubs. And I pretty much shit my pants because I was like, I made it. I'm oh, fucking doing this. That's awesome. You know, and I played an hour. I played an hour. I got 500 bucks. Whoa. So yeah, that's killer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, Hey, thanks to platinum records where I worked for millions of years. They did get me in the door. Uh, I was already in the door a little bit, but as far as top 40 and clubs for the pay, I mean, as far as the pay goes, Toronto came, came in, came in every, every place I would say had a DJ. So, when you saturated the, they saturated the market so bad, your pay went from three to four hundred bucks a night to fifty. Yep. Within that, that that's how simple it went. I mean, and that was you the, know, um, two fifty three hundred was kind of your high point DJs, <laughs> like I would say. But I mean, and since then it stayed that way. I mean, there's some places that yeah. pay less, but you just like you know, I mean, I did work at a bar, uh, Wild Rose, and they did. Uh, they did give me the door. I mean, some nights, I mean, I did get a flash. We like Clint was talking about and get, they didn't hit no margin. Um, there's nice. I walked out of there. I mean, you can have sugar. The, the place is small. It's not that big. And, um, I've walked out of there with a pretty good lump of change. And I, I, I almost gave the money back because I got so much. I mean, that's, that's how crazy <laughs> it was. That's awesome. You know, that's just me though. I mean, I'm a kind guy like that. I mean, I, I, I look at a bar or a place I play at. I mean, yeah, I need money too, but if you did, if you had five people in there and you gave me, and I had a great relationship with you and you didn't make no money, I'm going to make it worth your time because I think building a relationship is where it's at to where some people are just like, I'm the band, I'm going in there, you're giving me 500 bucks whether there's nobody here or not. So, I my, mean. My brother just brought up in Twitch, Skippy. Did you guys ever have Camel or Marlboro events that you DJed? Because I know I did a lot of Camel yeah. events. So, uh, sugar, you know that big the 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 blonde girl that we met uh, that hung, hangs out at the Seahawks game. Yeah, you know you know what I'm talking about, the old Poggy Woggy. Yeah, yeah. She was a she was a camel rep, and after she hit every after hour. So yeah, we had camel. I mean, I just I did some stuff with camel. I made some money off camel too. Because my we were talking about money, and my brother brought up in Twitch, and I'm like, wait, I remember getting easily twelve hundred. The most I ever made was sixteen hundred dollar check for open, opening up for Floater, or they would have me yep. do a whole winter theme. Uh, of all places, that used to be the oh, what, uh, now I just went blank. Where it's Voodoo Donuts? What 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 was it called before Voodoo Donuts? Anyone in the chat room? For bodies. For bodies. For bodies. Yeah, I, I rocked a show in there. They paid me fifteen hundred dollars. To wear all white well, and like everything looked like snow. Hmm. But I mean, if you want to, if you want to talk about, so that almost go back to when you got to talking about records breaking. I mean, basically, the thing about a Red Bull was payola. They were like, "Hey, we want to yep. bring this." Plot. Same thing with Camel. It's payola. That's all it was. But you're promoting this drink. We're going to give you guys three. 
So when Knock Knock first opened up, that's how Knock Knock got a lot of notoriety. Red Bull. They were the first to have it in there. And Red Bull was DJ equipment. Whatever you guys want, we're going to feed you. And that's, you know. Yeah, I remember the Red Bull events. That's actually where Eric uh, Bowler and I would end up kind of bumping heads. We'd end up, either, no, these, one, either one of us would end up, like, getting booked back and forth. Like, he'd do one year, I'd do another no, year. These, yeah, these are, I'm not talking about <laughs> events. he just I'm call you about, I don't know Before who, Red Bull even got, before brother. Red Bull was even big in the States, they were already coming in and going to bars like Campbell, saying, hey, check this new product out. It wasn't. They weren't booking DJs. They weren't having shows or anything. They were just supplying it. They were oh, giving money away. Hey, okay, to, got you. To, to put the to put the product in there. So it was like I can't even drink Red Bull because I drank so much Red Bull, and you know that. Sugar. I don't drink any drink because I, I drank so much when Red Bull came out. I could. I <laughs> I probably drank a case a week because it was that accessible. I had a yeah. refrigerator inside the DJ booth. You know. That's funny. And a lot of people know. But, so uh, just uh, personal note, I, uh, while I was in college, I was the student brand manager of Red Bull. Um, yep. I, I was basically a pusher on campus, but I would have <laughs> 13 cases in my bedroom and a refrigerator at any point uh, within that entire three semesters I did that for. Yeah, you're right, man. I remember when it was flooded. It was amazing, though. They, like, took care of me. They flew me out to California for training, threw us parties every night. It was fun. But Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. That A lot of people don't understand that. You know, and even and if, if anybody knows what the true Red Bull looked like, it looked like if you go and you know, grab that Gatorade uh, in a tube. Yeah, it's a brown bottle. Uh, but I'm saying it, the thickness of it was, like, almost in oil. Yeah. It was... I've, have you? I drank you. I've had it before. The original brown Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tonic without any carbonation, and it's like it's a cough syrup and, sort of. Yeah. And 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 the, and the can was as big wasn't as big as it is. It was concentrated, so it was only like five ounces. Yeah, it was real tiny. It was uh, yeah. It, it yeah. so where they got it out of India or whatever, it was it was basically <laughs> a kind of an upper drug sort of like it was a taurine, baby, it was taurine. A tonic yeah well taurine i could go into the whole breakdown of that red bull can if you want me so anyway back but, back to pay i mean i i mean personally i mean two things i mean we're not gonna get paid like we ever did after this if it's supposed to go back so i don't oh, think facts yeah that's actually the next pivot i, mean, I was gonna get into about what's next about pay so bottom line i would say you know we try to Average what, like our fifty bucks an hour? Is that kind of? That's about yeah. where. Well, that's about where we're at in the clubs. Sometimes fifty to seventy-five, I would say. Yeah, fifty yeah, exactly. to seventy-five. That's currently hour. where we're at. It's fifty to seventy-five, depending on what venue, what uh, we have worked yeah. out with the current owners. You know, for sure. I but, mean, I, but none I of us. But none of us as hit squad DJs will go anywhere for less than two hundred dollars a night to play a club, though. Yeah, so, no. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I, I think the biggest. I think the biggest thing, though. I mean, as going forward, in it, as we. We do get into the new, nearest future and stuff. But the two things I look at right now is uh, when it does open back up, um, music choice is going to. Let's take, I'm going to take uh, Dean Ice, for example. Yeah, how, how AM shocked the world and everybody said, Can you play the Las Vegas matchup? Everybody got on that tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with Dean Ice doing what he did on Instagram, I think it's going to help us be more creative again because people will be like, Can you play like Dean Ice did on there? 
So I think if music comes along, I think it might be better for the clubs because nobody really knows what new music is. Um, pay, I think everybody's just going to have to start from ground zero with pay and be like, hey, we, we're only averaging 40 people in here right now. What can we do? I mean, you, you might, I mean, a lot of people might go back to playing for free, to be honest. I don't know. I think that's going to boil down to the personal relationships you have with said club owners or promoters, whoever you're getting paid by is the personal relationships that you have True. built. Just like you were talking about Kip. Um, you know, I mean, I got my arrangements set for when we come back around, but, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, but I follow what, what you're saying though. These guys that have pegged themselves into a corner, only playing hip hop, only playing this, only playing that where the open format guys are going to get what pretty much they want to be, to be the D nices to play everything when we reopen though. So, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's not, that's the thing though. I mean, that's, I talked to sugar about it. I said, I said, the biggest thing is that, um, it's help. It helps because if let's say he didn't do that, then we're going to still be pigeon toed into that, that muggle wrap, that slower BPM that and people are going to still, but I think, since D nice built that out and spread it out the wings a little bit again, I think it's going to really help us to come out of a more creative tone and creative music when we do get back around and open up. Cause people, I, I mean, honestly, I, if I walked into a, a club after all this and I heard Madonna, I'm going to freak the fuck out. But if I walked into a, <laughs> if, I, if I walked into a club and heard Drake Tootsie slide, I'm going to go out the back door. I'm, I'm just, that's just me. They call me old or whatever, but I'm saying, I want to hear something, you know, and I get it. I'm 45. Those people that are going in are 22. So we're, we're way up. Exactly. But I mean, that comes up to, it's like, I mean, the pay scale going forward is going to determine what we can bring to said venues on how we can sell drinks and keep bodies in the door. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Oh, and I mean, I mean, just like we've already said, it's the relationship that you have. And, you know, I mean, you guys see it as much as I do. Every, Everybody that wants to stay open, I mean, I know, I know the Pioneer Club is doing the same thing as Cowgirl. We made a switch. Let's put more TVs in here. Let's put more seating in here. Let's do this so people can sit and eat and blah, blah, blah. But then what happens, you know, as soon as, as, soon as the back opens, guess what? We're going to take it all back out, you know? So. Well, yeah, you just had to do the short-term investment to keep your doors open. I mean, that's just smart right. business. I mean, if you have the capital to do the short-term investments to keep your doors open, are they're going right. to, you're, you're not going to survive. So that's what no, I, look at I mean. That, that's, yeah. That's the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest issue going on. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I knew, I know a lot of musicians that are, you know, I'm talk, we're talking big names too. And I, and I've talked to a few people and, you know, a couple of them are working it out and making it happen. Um, a couple of them are just like, dude, I don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Gotcha. So, I mean, that's, you guys talk about music it's like i'm sure i mean if i was a musician or an artist right now i'd probably have six, 16 albums wrote right now you know what i mean <laughs> well i mean we, we we can break this back i mean you fools. could have your whole career set up by the time covid got over so you could just release them kind of time release them well, yeah that's I genius mean, but, that's what but, i do too. i mean but look how many albums or songs we can take this back way back to how, how many songs did prince produce but never released you know, that dude was yeah. working constantly, mm-hmm. you know, so. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, you don't think, you don't think Eminem probably has 20 records sitting right there? Oh, I'm I mean, sure he on. does too. I'm sure he has a ton of records and that track and, sitting there. Around. And look how many and, and Tupac is, put out while he was dead. It was crazy. It was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 wow. Hey, but you Tupac. also think, 
the thing about this though, who's going to break that record that really dies into the, the situation? Like South Park. I mean, they dove into it. It took them six months, but they dove into it. They hit the nail on the head a little bit on some stuff and some stuff not. But I'm saying, who's going to really bring that? Who's going to bring the sadness that it is kind of sad what's going on what with America right now? Who's going to really pop that off? And that's going to be that's going to be a hit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we we can bring that full circle back to I mean, what was it? Uh, oh man. Help me. You're, you're, you're a country dude, Kip. Come on. Uh, what is it? Toby Keith. I love this bar. And then there was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Jason Aldean. Oh man. No, the older guy, the older country guy that did the nine 11 tribute. Um, I mean, that Hank was Williams Jr. No, not Hank Williams jr. Um, anyway, I can't think of it right now, but I mean, he did songs to current events and, uh, it went over huge. Where is that for this pandemic now? There's no song coming out about it yet. Because they can't tour. Board, they yeah, can't make you know, any money. I was going to say, Board and House on Board and House. Yeah. Every other TikTok oh, yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Board and the House, Board and the House. I don't, I don't know if you guys checked out any of the Save the Stage. You guys know about that? The what? Called Save Our Stages. Yeah, it's a... Oh, Save Our Stages. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A social media yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah. Are that, that, that's just like the so, red, red light district for all the lighting designers and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys, if you, okay, if anybody, if anybody paid attention, you said red light. What, who's the number? Who, who's yeah. the number one artist that everybody's talking about? I don't know. Who is it? Miley Cyrus. Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. True, true. Them. Miley Cyrus is hot right now. The last two weeks, because but but what did she do? She never sang one of her own songs. It was a cover to every song she did. The Cranberries to Metallica. Yeah, watch that. Guess what? Cranberries covered. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, now. Yeah, her next her next album is going to be Metallica. Yeah, her next so, album is all Metallica covers. Oh wow! And guess no. what? Metallica guys, Metallica asked her to do this. Wow, that's it's crazy. not just her. Metallica asked her to do this. That's crazy. That's going to be interesting to hear. So, and and another thing is, I mean, I told I I have a, another thing that I think is going to happen that's going to blow up a little bit. I think I think the fact that live cover bands and stuff like that are going to overshoot music venues, even clubs, because I think people are, might want to, and the Dodgers just won. <laughs> the Dodgers <laughs> win. There yes. You go, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's so I, I, about time, guys. I think that's a, I think live music is going to come back again. So I think that's going to make people, I don't know, man. I just think that it might be a little bit different and the DJ ain't going to be as uh, you, the guy. So you, so, so you think live bands are going to have a resurgence over the DJs in some of these smaller bars and stuff? Because, I mean, I've been through the band yeah. eras and the DJ eras and back and forth. And I don't know. I still value us DJs more valuable than a live band. And here, here, hold on. And I'm going to put it in a perspective that it'll be a little bit better. So I'm going to go, let's just say, uh, Hank Williams Jr. cover band of Pioneer Club. $15 at the door, it's packed. DJ Clint, no cover charge, 10 people. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be yeah, more okay. money involved with the live act. You understand? Does that make sense, Clint? It does, but I still think, I mean, so we have that, like you said, Hank Williams Jr.'s cover band or whatever. They're going to play, they're only going to be able to play, they're a band, one, and they're going to play for four hours. They're going to play their 30 songs. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where a DJ. No, no, I get it. I get it. 
you know, where an open format DJ, we can play 150 songs in that same four hours and not take a break. And our value, our pay is a hell of a lot cheaper. But a then, lot cheaper. But then it depends on how that band has broken it down with said venue. If they're taking 100% of the door or is the, you know, they get a flat rate and the bar is paying them. And then, the you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of variables there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, but I, I, I just, I'm just thinking as far as if I'm going to go out. I'm I, honestly, I don't want to see a gray beard old dude. Cause all of us are old anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very true. That's hey, sitting no. up there. On now. Very, very Hold true. On. That's sitting up there on their phone. Cause we're all on our phones, texting our friends. Texting, hey, grab that guy. Grab this person. Can you grab that? So, or am I going to see a three piece fan to cover band uh, that plays everything from 80s, 90s, 2000. A good cover band. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I'm just saying this for me to get out of the house. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying me. I'm saying for anybody that's over the age of 35, is the club going to be more appealing to go see a cover band that's doing an 80s prom night or DJ Kip Rock playing shitty ass top 40? I'm just, that's the bottom line. I mean, well, I also think that boils down to your personal taste of music though i mean do you want to go see are you are you a band person are you a, a club dj person you know what i'm saying so the, I, I think there's still going to be I'll a lane right now, I, I still think there's going to be a lane for both people no i, I just but i said but i mean i think i mean honestly a cover band are right before that the pandemic they were coming back up huge i mean i went to i, I mean I, no lie i'm a, probably one of the biggest catch mode ever person <laughs> fan yeah. i will tell you this if you I'm don't cute. know that and I'm, you follow Kippy, you're like stoned or you don't pay attention to his social media, <laughs> dude, because he is a huge Depeche Mode fuck, dude. Sure, for so, sure. So I'm, I'm telling you, it's crazy because every that we have a local band here sells out every time. They play smaller venues, 100, 150 sells out. I went and seen Strange Love. They sold out the Showbox. The Showbox holds about 1,200 people, and it was that's what I'm saying. But I, I've also seen a Ween band. I've seen a shitty ass Beastie Boys band. The venue has 100 people. It's sold out. And that's what I'm saying. I think that people are going to be, I, I don't know, man. You guys in Portland, I mean, in Malala, they have the hair fest that's three days long. And it's huge. It is. It um, is. But this year, everything's been fun, just, So, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I think, I, I just think, I think we're going to see more of a surge for live, live entertainment. That's all. Gotcha. Um, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll, I've heard people say they're tired of looking at a beat it. Yeah. For one thing, the whole push button. I'm, you know me. I'm going in a little bit. I'm push tired of looking at me. At club, I'm just like, I can't stand it. Over talking, I can't stand it. And I'm a DJ, but I get to a club and it's just nonstop that doubling up, blah 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 blah. Word playing. I'm yeah. not there. You're not. That's great that you can do that. Take that shit down to the fucking DMC championship. I'm not a club. <laughs> I want to hear the song. Yeah. Makes sense. But I'm just saying, it's okay every once in a while. I mean, we all do it. But I mean, when you get there and the kids up there just doing it for 20 minutes, I, I it blows me away that people still are standing there. Well, 100%. But, I mean, that's that's like, uh, I mean, if if you're a scratcher DJ uh, and you can't rock a, a venue, why are you a DJ then? I, I, I don't know. I, I There's that fine line of... These guys that just scratch and do routines, but can they rock a club for four hours? You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, hey, we'll, we'll put, I'll put two examples out there. Two of the guys that can do it, D 
DJ T and D and Wicked. Those two guys, phenomenal. Fun. They don't overdo it. Correct. That's that, that. That's where I was going. I mean, but then there's the selected few that can do the bars, the club scenes, and they're phenomenal scratchers. You know what I'm saying? So right. there's the scratchers, and then there's the routine people who that's all they do is scratches and routines. You know, but then there's the, get- you know, so I mean, it's just that fine line of, I guess, what you really want to do. You know, yeah. DJing is a pretty broad yeah, term, so I I would say. And that's it. They cover it covers the producer now. It covers the scratcher, and it covers us bar bangers. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally, one hundred percent on that, Nathan. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I just like I said. I mean, who knows where the hell this this is going? I mean, I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of awesome DJs are going to be pushed out because I mean, I know four or five guys that are never going to come back to DJing because they had to get move on with their life. They can't wait. You can't wait. You have a mortgage. You have this and that. Oh, you can't wait for the pub. Yeah, do, you, do you know a place I can move on to? Because I, I think I want to move on. <laughs> hey, so, you, hey, you want Hey, Nathan, you want a job? I can get you jobs. I get all my friends jobs. I can't get me a job. He can't get himself a job. Exactly. Wait, wait, is that the same way with a wife? You can help help everyone else get a wife and your best man at their wedding. Hey. I'll that's his. That's his lifestyle. Ther- I can be a therapist. Hey, I can be a therapist. I can be a career changer, but I can't even do that oh. shit for myself. So yeah, I don't know how it. I can do it for my friends. All he needs <laughs> is Depeche Mode and the golf course, and he's set. <laughs> so, so uh, hey, I, that's. Uh, are, are we going to nine? Or long ago? Nine. Okay. okay. Uh, um. So, I mean. So anyway, I mean, I'm into whatever. I mean, like, you know, as far as pay goes, it's going to be a different story. When it happens. Uh, since we're speaking of pay, and uh, you brought up, has this been your? This hasn't been your sole source of income because you've always worked at a record store and DJed, right? Well, yeah. So from nineties until two thousand and fourteen, I mean, I had a full time job. I mean, I, I was full, I was working. I had a. I actually was a supervisor at a at a auto parts for years too. Um, and then I, I moved up here and I had, I mean, I had a full time job and I DJ five to six nights a week. I was putting in, I was probably putting in a hundred, hundred hours a week DJing and working, you know, um, 2014 hit, uh, Ollie and Scott decided, Hey, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? I said, I don't want to, I don't, I think the store is pretty much over, you know? And they were like, yeah, we agree. So, mm-hmm. uh, since 2014, I've been doing this. Yeah. Hey, Kippy, did you see that uh, Guitar Center, at least around here, everyone's talking shit about Guitar Center and long live Platinum Records? I mean, here's the thing I'll say about Guitar Center. Somebody will always buy Guitar Center and bail them out. It's, you know, yeah. from the time that they came around Portland and Seattle, everybody's like, blah, blah, blah. They, that story, I mean, you can go back to that story. has been going since 2003. This I is mean, also their... This is their fourth chapter 11, too. So, I mean, it just goes to show yeah. somebody I mean, will buy their debts just to keep them afloat. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've known a lot of reps I mean, and salespeople to come in and out of Guitar Center and they move on to different companies. It's yeah, just the I way mean, it is. You know, I mean, most of, yeah, I mean, guitar, I mean, hey, you don't think Guitar Center was hounding me the whole time after I was out of Adam? I had three guys, you sure you don't want, no, I don't want to work. I don't, I don't ever want to work in sales again. 
<laughs> but you're so you know? good at it, Kippy. Come on. How lo- so, um, I, I mean, uh, who else at this table? I know myself, I've turned this in or was prior to this. This was my sole income, and it had been that way for uh, like eight, nine years into this. I think I started out, and I, I always supplemented my income. I, I looked at it as supplementing when I had to do gentlemen's clubs. Like that was more supplementing yeah. my, my regular yeah. clubs. Yeah, that, that, that was instead of calling it a day job, that was your night job. That was my day night job. You know, <laughs> whatever. Like I would, I would go back and forth in and out of those it, just to still have say I'm a DJ, I guess. Uh, but uh, I mean, I've made a career out of it. So is uh, Sugar. How long? I went twenty years. Twenty I just, years. I found out when I went filling at resumes and getting myself a regular job. Right now, twenty years of not real job besides DJing. Marketing DJ that didn't a DJ on the on the resume in 1999. You know, yeah. I I mean, we can't all we can't all be like Clint and have a a profession like he does either. I'm sorry, but I was I don't know. I've always had I'm, I'm, a full daytime job, and DJ is also a love for my passion. I mean, I just love doing it, but it's just uh, I could never survive on just DJing. I had bigger things to do. No, I mean. Life. I did the same thing with you. I always told every DJ, every young guy was like, man, you know, I want to get into it. And I said, don't jump into it until you feel like you're 100 into it. I mean, yeah. I hang out, I hung out with my mentor, Mike Stevens last in Boise. And he all, he always told me, he's like, man, you just had the passion. You know, there's one thing about you. You knew what record to select, how to select it. And you connected to a crowd. You weren't up there just looking down at the record. You could, and he goes, you can care less if you can crash the mix but you'd always fix it and make people happier. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And that, and, and that, and that's the passion about it. I mean, some people get into it cause they, they were at a, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids that when I worked at the record store, a lot of kids would come in and they'd be in college. Right. So they would come in and they were like, Oh, you know, we had, we had college parties. I'm like, that's cool. What'd you guys, they all play off their iPad or iPods or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's quick mixing, you know, next song, next song. So when they started trying to DJ, they were getting frustrated. I'm like, not for everybody. And then, but they were trying to push themselves, and then they spin. I mean, I can I can't, can't tell you how many countless times I had seven thousand dollars system go out and have it come right back three weeks later. Why? Because they thought that they that seven thousand dollar investment was going to be a million dollar investment, and then when they figured it out that they never were going to get booked and everything, they were just like, oh. So it's it's hard. I mean, you know, and, uh, yeah. so, and I'm working almost to thirty. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, and. and bringing it to the point of, uh, you know, having this as a, having an extra job or doing this with one income, uh, what, what's probably been what your longest residency. And I would say a residency means you were consistently playing there at, at least once a week for over four months. So I've been, like I said, I've been with Amber cowgirls and venom. I'm going almost 20 years with the same people. Damn. So I start, I started, I started with, I, I'll, one thing you'll notice about me, Nathan, I'm a loyal person. I don't, I had chances. I could, I could have been in Vegas. I chose not to go to Vegas because I had a girlfriend at the time and I thought I was going to get married. I stayed in Seattle. I had a, I had the door wide open. Yeah. I had a residency all locked in. Everything was in Vegas. I said, no, I okay. stayed here. Make, Cause I was already making good money. I mean, I, I was making six figures easily at this time. So awesome. I didn't give a yes, fuck. Yes, you were. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, I had, everything was given to me. I was, you know, I was starting rock star status, you know, I'd fucking walk into any place. 
tipping me this, this, this and the door shut on me at one time, you know, and, you know, I mean, five, four years ago, I, I was down to two, one, two nights and I was getting scared. I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, man, what happens is, uh, like every time, I mean, summer hits and you kind of get weary because every club wants a, you know, they want the money. And then when winter hits, they don't have nobody. They got to call us older people back and be like, Hey, okay. And then, you know, you, they finagle you back in. Cause you're like, Oh, and then all of a sudden my phone rang, rang, rang. Seahawks came rock and roll. I think everything just started flying. And I'm like, dude, I kind of wanted to get out of it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he kept telling me, he kept telling me every time fall came around, sugar, oh, this wow. is going to be my last season, man. Last football season. <laughs> this is it. Just one more. Oh, wait, wait. I want to go back to some other things about you, Kippy, real quick. That some of these guys don't know about. Sometimes they do, but don't. How many people, when it comes to big boys, came through their record store, like Mixmaster Mike? You know, they, these people are now your friends, right? Oh, I mean, I mean, Mike, I mean, I've been friends with Mike. Me and Mike have been friends for over 20 years. I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, Scribbles, I mean, I'm really, me and Scribbles are really good friends. DJP is one of them, like my brother. I mean, you, I mean, you can name almost any from hip hop side to house side. I mean, DJ IC to, you know, I mean, <laughs> the list can go on and on. But I mean, but, you know, I mean, Doc Martin. But that also helped. You worked at one of the best record shops in Seattle, though. So, I mean. Let me, I'm, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one story. So, when I came to Seattle, uh, Platinum Records was garbage. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> nobody, a lot, of, a lot of local people did not want to come here. Uh, they thought that they were, they were shutting down the, little, the other guys. And uh, a lot of people didn't like the... There's a couple of people that worked at Platinum, and a lot of people didn't like them. I, I singly handled, and, and, and if Tony or anybody's on here and wants to talk, say no. The truth is, I singly handedly brought Platinum back to life when I got there. Um, I made I made sure to go to the other record stores. I made friends with everybody that worked at other record stores. I was doing things. I mean, I, there was just, there was just a lot of bad a lot of bad uh, blood with a lot of local uh, Seattle with uh, Platinum for. You know, a lot of people did not like platinum, but uh, when I came up here and you know started bringing in the crews and and bringing in different people and helping out, uh, it, it turned it around and uh, platinum became a staple. And you know, a lot of people, you know, I, <laughs> the crazy story is uh, about two years ago I was walking down Burn, uh, Broadway up by Dick's actually, and uh, at uh, 7:30 in the morning I was getting to, going to catch the bus to go home from my girlfriend's house at the time, so she was going to work, and I was like, I was up. And a guy came up to me and he just, I, he said, man, I really miss you guys. And I was like, seven thirty in the morning, he's like, Platinum was uh, a place that people could go to and uh, really, whether you had money or not, I wasn't, I, you could listen to a record or talk to us. And I mean, it, it was crazy, but it, that stuff like that happens all the time to me. I mean, I get, I get people walk up to me and like, man, I miss it. And I'm just like, yeah, I missed it too, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Nathan, back to you. It's hard. I mean, uh, this is my only income. I mean, luckily, I mean, I got blessed with a little bit of un- unemployment, but I mean, that's only going to yeah. last too long. So, you know, we all got to figure something else out. You yeah, know? we're all looking so. at looking at those next options. Uh, day oh, jobs. I don't know if we want to. Day jobs. I mean, we're getting real close to the end of this, so I don't know if we want to just. Yeah, five minutes. And yeah, we can just throw this so, out yeah, real quick. I mean, Let's go to the last one just to kind of. I don't know. Have some fun. Oh with yeah, this will be good. So, <laughs> how like, should we just all state how damn old we are? Nathan, like, go ahead. Start I, I'm I'm forty. Forty-seven. 
DJ Sugar. 43. Kippy? 45. 45. 45. 45. So we're all in the 40 club. So we're all in the 40 club. So, so I'll tell you this. There's all, I mean, I, I mean, as people listen to us, there's what, six, 20, about six or 10 people still on here. We're yeah. all a little bit dated and bitter. We all True. love music. True. We all will all still be there, even though we say, oh man, we're not eating after this. Man. Guarantee you'll see us again at a club again. So don't say that we're, we're not, we're, we're just bitter. I mean, you know. We love our we love our passion. <laughs> you you do become bitter, and uh, I, I guess that's something to consider. Too. I mean, I actually have an in an end goal, and that's just I hope I can still be playing in the clubs till I'm fifty. You know, so I got seven more years. But I think I can do it. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say real quick before we get off. The joy that I found again, and in sugar will testify. You guys, unfortunately, you guys don't get on my switch when I'm playing, but I do when when I'm when I'm playing on my little. But this, Mr. Detroit does, and he loves it. But my thing is, when I'm playing what I love to play, my facial expression and dancing will show you that I still love it. Yeah. I just don't love what I have to play to make it, make it anymore. Yeah, so exactly. That's, and that's where I'm at, man. I'm loving DJing again, but I have a feeling once it starts back up what it does, I might be back to that grumpy old dude. So, <laughs> we don't want no grumpy old. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's a point, though. Like, if you, if you are older and you've considered – I don't know. It's hard to suggest getting into this with everything so uncertain or not. But uh, I wouldn't recommend getting into DJing to anybody right, right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, right? No. Well, there's here's no- the biggest thing, too. Here's another thing. I've been DJing. I looked at this the other day. I'll probably have one weekend, two, maybe two weekends off in the last 10 years. Yeah. That's another thing you got to think about. I've, I've been in a but also I've been in a nightclub since I was 12 years old. Because when, when Port- in Portland, you could be in a nightclub at 14 when yeah, I was doing clubs. We were doing clubs. Kid, Kippy and I were at Scoochie's so that's, Quest. And, con, and Confetti. Yeah, confetti. The City and, uh, Night Club. You can listen to all Depeche the, Mode and Industrial. Hey, and the biggest club was Depot. I mean, Depot was. Oh, they had fuck a, yeah. Had, if people don't know Portland. Portland used to have a dance channel on KPTV 1212. Dancing with Doc used to come on and it was live from the Depot. Huh. I didn't know that. And you could see your type it up. I mean, I used to see my friends on there. I'm like, I'm going. And I finally got to go in there. <laughs> but when I finally got there, I got in there for the half hour of taping. I guarantee you no, but that was the last week and it happened. So I was, uh, you know what I mean? It was crazy. So every year when I turned 14, the, the limit was, the age was 14, 15, 16, all the way until they started at 18. It was kind of crazy because you think about that. I was five years of, you know, I shouldn't have been in a club. True, true um, that. Yeah, and that, and that's what I wonder too, though. Like, I mean, we, I, I think most of us in here have to stop putting our face on flyers, right? <laughs> we just look too damn old. <laughs> and sugar is never, too. And sugar I'm here. Never stopping my cut and paste. My cut and paste. <laughs> your cut paste is on a different level for yeah, sure. For sure, something else. But uh, Sugar still recycles pictures from ten years ago because he thinks he's young still. <laughs> and he, hey, did, hey, did you guys did you guys see me that how it started and how it is now? Did you see him when put I, my Santa yeah, picture? Was, no. Oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, uh, I missed it. Oh, uh, he did a cut and paste. It's on Facebook and my Facebook wall. Gotcha. Well, anyway, right. good chat with you, Kippy. Thanks for calling in, man. Always good talking hey. with you. You need to get your ass hey, back I'll to the studio I'll, and play hey, some wait, music. Wait, wait, wait. I'll be down Tuesday. Tuesday before Thanksgiving. That's my day. I'll be there. Okay. All right. Sounds good. We'll make it a date All for right. you, buddy.
All right, brothers. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Kit. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye. All right. So, uh, before we get off here, we definitely need to mention that the the podcasting format we are on a monthly basis, normally on Tuesdays and Thursday nights on twitch.tv backslash hit squad DJs. You can catch us actually enjoying DJing because we do get to play what we want. And we do. We do yeah. get to interact with you and you can have feedback. We don't care. We'll, we'll try to hit you up too if you're in the chat room with us. So please tell your friends, spread that around. It, it helps us get up on Twitch and maybe receive pennies back from them pennies, but, <laughs> pennies. and uh we also have a discord if you are familiar with that social media platform please join in it's more of a uh, chatting chat chat room. chat room interpersonal type of format for you and we have a cash app if you feel like donating cash app at hit squat djs and our merch store merch store if you are on twitch currently you can scroll right. down and the links are there. Um, if you're on a phone, it's going to be in the info tab. So biggest things to remember for us, though, since this is going to be streaming on YouTube, click the subscribe button. Yes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to every platform we, we have for us, man. Please. Please subscribe. Also, don't forget, again, twitch.tv backslash hit squad DJs. And we DJ every Tuesday and Thursday. From Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Fridays are up. Oh, well, Fridays are up in the debate, but oh. Fridays. And when we are on Tuesday here, 7 to 10. Uh, Arizona still 7 to 10? So Tuesday and Thursday, 7 to 10 on twitch.tv backslash hit squad DJs. Thank you, guys.